0: it's a very salutary thing to realize that the rather dull universe in which most of us spend our time is not the only universe there is. Aldous Huxley. Bending Not Breaking, A New Season. welcome back to another episode of bending not breaking this is your host ben pruitt and i am really excited about today's episode because it's a pretty abnormal episode in that we are not necessarily honing in on any one episode with a particular lens rather we are honing in on a topic and so i have brought with us a topic expert who is going to kind of be the point person for all of my questions regarding cactus juice that's right everybody you heard it from me first we're talking about cactus juice today i'm really excited to talk to a friend of mine caleb is a psychonaut a psychedelics educator and a minister who studied altered states of consciousness in graduate school he recently released his new project after graduation which i'm particularly excited about and it's called psychedelic theology And that is a resource for integrating psychedelic experiences and sacred life, which you know we are interested in on this show. And so I'm thrilled to welcome our guest to Bending Not Breaking. Caleb, how are you? What's going on?
1: Hey there, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Have the day off from work. I'm a delivery driver in my day job right now, Uh, so just got to spend some time working out, relaxing, and enjoying the day. It's beautiful out right now.
0: Yeah, I had the option to work outside today, and frankly, I opted not to because it was so humid and hot this morning, but now it feels better than it did, oddly, earlier today. <laughs> um Yeah, so thank you for joining us. I'm so excited. Can you, before we kind of go any further though I'd love to hear just a little bit more about you not from from you know the all the things we were able to learn about you from what I said but just you know what makes you you what makes you human tell us about who you are
1: well I've spent uh most of my life in the South either in uh, Arkansas or North Carolina uh I really love uh, just spending time outside uh, exploring rural areas uh, hiking. Usually bringing a book along with me, so I have something to do if I just decide to sit down with a corncob pipe for a while. Uh, (laughs) I've also got uh, four cats: Bridget, Winston, Smudge, and Samson. uh, And I've been married to my wife Hannah for coming up on our fifth anniversary this year. Five years! I didn't realize you'd been together that long. Yeah, we've been together. We started dating almost a decade ago. We were uh, we've known each other since high school. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, thank you for sharing your cat's names.
0: I am excited because I know that several of our listeners are avid cat fans. Um, And I I think they will appreciate hearing about all of them, all of the lovelies. Um, So I just am kind of entranced with this idea of walking around outside with a corncob pipe and a book in hand. And that's like the vision of like... (laughs) how I want to be outside versus how I am, which is usually, especially lately, sitting inside on my couch, watching the television. Yeah, uh, And I just, those are so contrasting. And I would so much rather be the person who's holding the pipe with a book outside.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it took some, uh, it took some time to get to that point. Uh, I guess I really appreciate it a lot more when I've had to work jobs that take a lot of my time and really exhaust me.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's yeah. really just a nice, whenever I'm doing things that I like inside, when I've got a job that I love, it's easy to forget the outside world and the beauty that it has. But when you need something to recharge you, when you're just depleted at the end of every day, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mm-hmm. sometimes touching grass is always a great experience. Here, here. No, I'm here for
0: that. What a great way to kind of, get back into your body yeah that's awesome so okay you are a person who enjoys these things who enjoys cats uh but this is kind of a podcast that is primarily filtering through avatar the Last airbender and that whole universe so tell us about your relationship with the avatar verse if you have one at all
1: yeah um i've loved the avatar verse, uh, for years. It was, uh, uh, a little bit before my time and what my parents allowed me to watch growing up as the, uh, primary audience. Uh, yeah, but in my, in my teenage years and into young adulthood, I've really, really enjoyed the, the series and everything that goes along with them. Uh, in fact, my first date, uh, God, I think this would have been 2012. My first date was uh, watching a home movie version of the terrible 2010 Last Airbender movie uh, with the girl. Yeah, (laughs) What a terrible date. (laughs) Well, it would have been, but she fell asleep while I had uh, my arm around her. So it was very cute and ended up being a a nice experience. And we dated for, I don't know, nine months after that, which is pretty good for a high school relationship pretty good it's also an appropriate thing to fall asleep to yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) well amazing
0: that's so cool so you've been living with this for a while uh do you have uh, a favorite character what tell me about anything any favorites you might have affiliated with the show
1: yeah uh um I really like the section of the series associated with Ba Say. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, th- there is so much there to unpack with uh, themes of urbanization compared to agrarian life, yes. themes of authoritarianism and control of information uh, and just different models of life that can occur depending on where we spend our time. Um, and refugees and everything else that goes along with that. I just think it's a, a particularly good set of episodes as we settle into this setting that can that helps unravel a lot of questions that we have in the real world to get today.
0: Yeah, like what a brilliant way to just like put all of our real world problems into one little city that is tackling all of it. Absolutely. It's so good. Yeah, I love like really I think season two which is where most of this falls sure. is just so clutch it's so good it's it's the messy middle w- where everybody's struggling so hard like yes Ugo's struggling Iroh's struggling Aang is struggling everybody is struggling and
1: that's what makes it so good is this yes struggle. good yeah. good character development just all the way through fantastic oh man
0: so good! Well, I, I'm so thrilled that you ha- are willing to to join us. I have been. I had the pleasure of attending one of your uh, first lectures on psychedelics post graduation. Or actually, it wasn't post. It was four twenty. Yeah, on four twenty. <laughs> yeah, really exciting. Um, and so I was very intrigued with the information you had to share, and I wanted you to come and talk to us about it. And I figured. What a great opportunity to talk about cactus juice, to learn more about psychedelics, generally speaking, and to learn about how that operates in this universe, but also in ours. And so I'm I'm curious, can you just kind of give us a one on, 101 on like, what is your relationship with psychedelics since that's kind of our lens today? But then also like, what's the 101? What are the basics that we kind of all need to know and I may or may not interrupt you with
1: questions. (laughs) Yeah, please interrupt me at any time. It's uh I always have a hard time remembering what people know and don't know and what vocab is new or novel. So please feel free to interrupt at any time. Amazing. Uh well I've I've used psychedelics for a couple of years now and had several dozen psychedelic trips using LSD, psilocybin, that's the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. DMT, that's the uh, active ingredient and what you, one of the active ingredients and what you've probably heard of as ayahuasca. Uh, And then I've also used a lesser known substance uh, called 2CB. Um, I initially took advantage of decriminalization laws to try magic mushrooms just because I was curious. I went to to undergrad in Colorado uh, when weed was legalized. So I, I had a great deal of experience there. Yeah. And just wanted to try something new. Um, but without any education, without really any planning, uh, I took about two times the dose I probably should have for my first time. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a really overwhelming realm of hallucinations and changes in cognition. Um, but I, I held on, I made it to the other side. Um, and I was just impressed with this realization that I needed to be a better person at the end of it, that life is short, um, that we only get one go at it, uh, and that I needed to make this the best that I could make it. Um, so yeah. can
0: I pause there? There's sure. a. I'm, I'm hearing from you that a, a, a few things, uh, I'm curious about one, the nature of that change, Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what I'm what I'm hearing is, post trip, mm-hmm. you had a a shift in your cognition, and I think that's yeah. the way kind of phrased it was, and that you were thinking differently because of this trip and the experiences, which meant afterwards there was a a literal change in how you were processing and thinking about the world.
1: Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, uh, it was a really night and day change for me. Um, the world was, it it was, it was just a lot easier to one, have some good control of my thoughts, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, so it, it was easier for me to focus on the things that are beautiful in the world and not the things that are upsetting or the things that are painful. Yeah. um it was easier for me to uh 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 focus on love instead of fear uh I <laughs> therapy got a lot easier it was easier for me to make breakthroughs with my therapist uh yeah it was just a it was a really big change that I, I think the best way to describe it would be to stop looking at the world through a fear-based mindset and start looking at it through a love-based mindset so wow. instead Yeah. So instead of I'm going to live and work and do because I'm afraid of the consequences, I'll get, I'll have to drop out of school. I'll get fired from my job. You know, my marriage will be on the rocks. Yeah. Instead of doing life because I was afraid, doing life because I love learning, because I love my job, because I love my wife. And that's just a really different perspective to be approaching life from.
0: Wildly different. Yeah. So okay, okay. My my follow-up question then is, and then you might be getting to this, but how unique is that cognitive shift for someone who participates in a psychedelic experience?
1: Uh I don't think it's I think it is unique in how fast it can happen. Mm, okay. Um, but I don't think this is something unique to psychedelics. Um, it might be the best way to describe it might be like taking a helicopter to see the view of the summit of a mountain, Mm -hmm. uh, and then going right back down. If you know that summit is there, this beauty and this love and this wonder, you're willing to start taking the trek to make it to that summit. You're willing to put in the work and the training to get there. But I, I think there are many different ways to know that summit is there, whether that is from uh, meditation or just spending time in nature or the natural love we feel for our friends and our family and, and uh, uh, animals. So I don't, I don't think it's necessarily uh, unique in the substance. Mm-hmm. I think it's unique in its quantity, its power. So especially in the modern world, when we're inundated with information, inundated with pictures and images and things that are supposed to bring us emotion, this is just a really powerful way that breaks through all that and says, look, there's more than this. There's more than this. And you can get there. So I think my follow-up then is,
0: yeah, I 100% agree that, of course, we can find out there's a mountaintop, so to speak uh, through other means, Mm -hmm. is it unique that you had this, uh, helicopter experience that took you there versus a helicopter that might have taken you to, uh, a volcano instead of a beautiful, (laughs) like, does that make sense as a, like, metaphor? (laughs) Sure.
1: Um, yeah, there's, uh, uh, there's a psychedelic writer from the mid 20th century that said, uh, to fathom hell or sore angelic take a pinch of psychedelic uh that yeah you you can and i have experienced what would be called bad or difficult trips really rough experiences um that are not beauty and wonder but are instead terror and pain um Thanks. i yeah <laughs> and i I'd say I got really lucky with my experience because I didn't have the education. I didn't have the preparation. I took such a high dose. I should have had a very difficult experience, yeah. but through luck of the draw, I had a good one. Um, but if you have a uh, good preparation, if you have good education, especially if you have someone with experience to help you through taking these substances, the The risk of taking the uh, uh, taking the helicopter to the volcano instead of the mountain is minimal, really.
0: Great. Okay. Great. Uh, thank you for entertaining my questions. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, please continue if there if there is more to continue on.
1: Uh, sure. Um, when when it comes to asking, like you said, just give the one o one. What are psychedelics? Um, it's difficult to describe the. Eff- of psychedelics because they're just so different from our everyday experience. Um, and But I think we we can get sort of a good idea of what some of these experiences can be like from thinking about the big moments in our lives. So if you think about uh, maybe it was uh, for you or someone else, graduation or getting married or the birth of a child, or reaching a goal you've wanted to reach for years. And there's this feeling as if time is slowing down. Like you can't believe you're here. You might feel euphoria or wonder or awe. Um, These sorts of emotions in these mountaintop experiences of life These are the very same things that can happen during psychedelic trips, plus an addition of the hallucinations, which are a huge part of it. Um, But I I don't want people to get the idea that psychedelics provide something that is entirely unique in the way it changes how we experience the world. It is, again, uh, an induced experience that we can have naturally through everyday life and that's where the real beauty lies yeah no that's fascinating to think that it's not limited
0: to the trip but it is something that is accessible outside of the trip is a very different way of thinking about it because most people when i think about this um the rhetoric i hear around drugs generally speaking Mm -hmm. people use drugs to escape their current experience yeah. right uh because their current experience is the worst and why would i want to be in this when i can right. be in this euphoric state um assuming that that's what it provides right and um rather the way you're framing it is providing potential for the thing that i am escaping from to be the precise place i would rather be absolutely that's a take that I find very compelling.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's something that I think people can miss with psychedelics, um, where you you end up trying to escape by taking psychedelics. They they can be very beautiful experiences, but psychedelics tape take the things that you might be putting in the back of your mind that you might be trying to disassociate from, and can put them right in front of your face so you can't escape them. And that, that is where bad trips, difficult trips can come from is you took the mushrooms to escape, you know, stress from school or your job or relationships in your life. And instead of escaping it, uh, you are facing it in three dimensional form and you have to handle this. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not fun. Um, but that's, that's part of why I think psychedelics, um, They're non-addictive. Classical psychedelics don't have really the capacity for chemical addiction. Um, And it's also difficult to abuse them uh, through psychological dependency because they have the capacity to be so difficult. You can't guarantee a euphoria. In fact, anxiety is very, very common in these experiences. It forces you to take a hard look at yourself. I see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one of these things where part of me is like, I want that transformative experience. And the other part of me is like, I'm also a very anxious person. (laughs) I don't want that to be exacerbated. And that makes me nervous.
1: Yeah. Well, and then of course, I'm, I have diagnosed uh, anxiety. You get the anxiety about the anxiety, and then you're anxious (laughs) about the anxiety about the anxiety. It just becomes a stream from there.
0: Yeah, that that's a that's a big scary uh big X for me in terms of not necessarily like stop here, don't continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is, you know, I like navigating and I don't think I want to be the person who's like everybody who's listening should go and do all the psychedelics. Right. But I also don't want them to to not experience what you're describing as a potential option uh yeah. tip and so it's how do we um what is your opinion on how we talk about this in a way that is non-judgmental and safe does that make sense is a question
1: yeah it does um i think the best thing that we can talk about right now is the language of harm reduction um so giving people all the information we can data-backed information experienced and wisdom backed information from indigenous practitioners from people who have been doing this since the 50s 60s 70s from researchers today to get a a full picture of what psychedelics are and what they do Um, so there there are thousands of psychedelics out there we and not just ones that are come up with in a lab. We discover new psychedelics in nature relatively often, uh, ones really? that we've yeah ones we've just never tried before. Um, so there's an element uh, of exploration that we're trying something new and exciting, and what does this do, and how does this affect us? Yeah. But that and that's what a lot of people come to psychedelics too. What I came to it with was curiosity, excitement, exploration. But that has to be tempered with wisdom and with some restraint there where we don't have to fear these substances but we do need to respect them um this these are not just party drugs these are substances that indigenous people in particular have used for 4 to 6000 years that is a long time and that is how long it's taken to come to a good sufficiently wise relationship to these substances, I don't think we can do that just by uh, reading a pamphlet and, you know, deciding that we can handle this. Yeah,
0: I, so I, I'm curious about the why, historically mm. speaking. And so people, have, have people just been doing it recreationally? Like, what was the the intended purpose, say, for indigenous cultures to be using this six thousand years ago or whatever year it may be. Like you know what I mean? I'm I'm curious about the the historical intention behind the use.
1: Well, unfortunately, especially with how many records were destroyed during colonialism, uh, because these substances, Yeah. yeah, these substances were mostly used in Mesoamerica and Amazonia. Um we don't have great records before Spanish colonialism. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do have a handful of natural scientists and writers who are very, very sympathetic towards the indigenous cause, really fought back against uh, the brutal Spanish colonial regime. And they have a very, um, I think, rather honest and uh, uh, sympathetic view of psychedelic use. Um, And what they record was that, one, psychedelics were used as a means of communal, uh, 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 communal cohesion, I guess is the best way to say it. So people taking these substances together at a feast or at a, uh, a party or something similar to interact with each other, to interact with ancestors who had gone before in the spirit realm. Um, and this created a sense of timeless social cohesion, with the people that you lived with now and with those who had happened before. Um, it, it was also used, uh, peyote in particular, but magic mushrooms too. Um, these were used uh, at, to um, get information from the spirit world. So particularly around lost objects. So lost objects are lost people. So we have some stories about a woman who was kidnapped and the solution that a shaman in the village had was to take the psychedelic and see if they could divine where this person was. And there's some stories that they accurately were able to do so. Wow.
0: Yeah. So I, I'm I'm going to venture into media for a second, not yet sure. Avatar, but just what I can think of when I think about psychedelic use in media. And most of the time it is when I, especially when I think about it, like in use with indigenous cultures, it is around a giant bonfire. Uh, and I'm not saying that these are accurate, but rather, <laughs> uh, but around a giant bonfire where the the shaman figure uh, takes this and all of a sudden on screen we see the vision of ancestors appearing and things along those lines sure and to the skeptic um that might appear as okay they're seeing a hallucination in mm-hmm. which this is a fictitious figment of their mind mm-hmm. in the cause of this psychedelic um but Knowing you and knowing your, your history and your background, uh, can you help me understand and parse out the, um, difference between a hallucination and a a spiritual experience that, uh, to this person feels very real and very um, important and integral to their, their spirituality. Does that make sense as a question? Oh, absolutely.
1: Um, well, first, I, I would take um, some pause with the idea of hallucination being a bad thing sure. or with hallucination being some sort of um, trick or delusion that we think is real. We, that's, that's the language that we often use around hallucinations. Hallucinations are things that aren't real, but we we people with mental illness or people who aren't skeptical enough might be tricked into thinking these are real. Um, For a lot of uh, um, indigenous users, um, this isn't a binary that exists. So you might be shown images. That doesn't mean that these images are real in the sense that a Christian might think about heaven where the saints are, and that's a real place that you're seeing. But instead that this is similar to a dream. That these are archetypes, images, ideas that can influence the person, that can influence uh the people who are not taking the substance or other people with them who are. Um, and they're fully aware that these aren't um, they're fully aware that these aren't uh uh actually deities or actually spirits. However, they also recognize that these images can affect them in some way. Um Like I I know a lot of people today who uh, follow Jungian psychology, and they might not believe in a God per se, but they do believe that uh, the dreams they have at night and the way their unconscious works can affect their waking life. Um, And that is sort of the way that these things can be understood.
0: I had never heard that analogy that you just gave, which is the idea of and this may not have been how you meant it but it's how i heard it but sure when you when you see a picture of something that does not mean you're seeing the real thing right but nonetheless seeing that picture means something right yes. you can infer meaning from that picture um and i just think about that like that's that is brilliant because that's the whole point of thinking about Watching media and it affects mm-hmm. your watch. Like if you watch, we we care so much about treating Avatar as a sacred text, and to the point that we are analyzing how it makes us feel and how we are, and and to say that, oh, well, that's not real. Well, of course it's not real. That's the point. <laughs> like, but yeah. we are still learning about who we are and how to yes. be best in the world by critically addressing that. Yes, and that's a really neat way. I had never put it in quite that language so I really appreciate that analogy
1: definitely um and this this sort of analogy you see in, in I think indigenous religions worldwide as a whole um where uh mythology isn't necessarily something that is the same when it's retold every time mm. what matters is less what mythology uh what the mythology contains and more what it does. Um, So I, I, uh, Bart Ehrman's a New Testament scholar, uh, and he cited this example of a man, an anthropologist who went back and asked for the same creation story from these people multiple times. And every time that he did, he got a somewhat different tale, but they were certain it was the same story. This doesn't mean that the story was being retold and people didn't know the difference. But so long as the story had the same effect, it didn't really matter if it had the same contents. Mm. Sort of this, this literal, am, and I see this all the time when people ask me, are psychedelic visions really of the spirit realm or are they just in my mind? and i i don't have i don't really see why we have to cause such a strong binary if it affects yeah. us so much no i agree and i think that's such an important take too to think about how
0: our spirituality and again this isn't limited to any particular religion but rather mm-hmm. the nature of spirituality in and of itself is so expansive and to think that it is limited to what is real, and to what can be like seen before our eyes, physically mm-hmm. touch, and you know what I mean. It's just yes. it's still limiting to the point of it misses the forest for the trees almost. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: wow, I this is really great. I, <laughs> I'm I'm really loving this. Um, okay, I'm glad I asked the question about this kind of this history element. I think that's a really important category what have we missed in terms of covering the 101
1: what have we missed uh well i'd i'd really like to re-emphasize uh that psychedelics classical psychedelics are generally very safe substances even safer than it comes when it comes to uh comparing it with marijuana and certainly safer than comparing it to something like alcohol um you really cannot plausibly have an overdose death from classical psychedelics. Again, you cannot be chemically addicted to them. Um, And in fact, these substances have great, very promising research showing that they can powerfully treat everything from depression and PTSD to migraines and chronic pain. Um, So while we need to respect these substances, I just want to leave listeners with this clear picture that psychedelics aren't like the after-school special of somebody going insane. Uh, They, In fact, we have studies showing that they don't induce psychosis or psychotic related illnesses any more than uh, they don't induce those sorts of illnesses, period. Um, And they certainly do so less than marijuana, which has somewhat of a connection to inducing these illnesses. So when it comes to substances we use all over our culture this is safer despite being more demonized yeah and like this is purely my opinion
0: and my critical my uh, my <laughs> unfiltered thought in response sure. to the conversation uh is that i imagine this is so demonized precisely because it is the the effect is the loss of control Mm. and i like i for how much our culture and i say that liberally of the united states like thinking about how attached we are to control that the idea of losing control and then coming out of it with a, a better framework, it is yes. easy to like demonize that person and say, you didn't work for it, which is a function of capitalism and meritocracy. And there's just, there's, it just makes sense that it would be demonized the way that it is in our cultural context. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Uh, I, I think it was uh, say what
0: now I missed that. I was just saying, I love thinking that it shouldn't be as much as it is.
1: Absolutely. Um, there's a Alan Watts quote uh, from a, a, a lecture he gave, uh, where he talks about how letting go in our culture is quite mad, that we always want security, police, vigilance, and then you end up having to ask, well, who's going to guard the guards, who's going to watch uh, the police, who's going to do all of these things, and um, And wondering about the sort of world we would have if we did not focus, like I said before, on fear, but focused on love. That you don't need to get to the point where you have police guarding the police if you have a society where we're willing to take care of each other, even when we do lose control a little bit. You're here. You speak in my language.
0: Amazing. So I am going to shift our conversation. We have kind of been talking about psychedelics at large. Sure. um, the 101 the basics. Now, I kind of want to shift it to using Avatar and the little information we have from the show to kind of put it into that conversation. Yes. Um, and for listeners who are wanting an episode, this is specifically book two, episode 11, where the majority of the content happens. Uh, the desert is the episode title, and this is the episode where Sokka drinks water from a cactus. And, um, and that leads us to the question. So I, I think my first question is, does cactus juice qualify as a, as a psychedelic? It seems like we don't get any specific hallucination. Like it's always, um, there's always a visual there. Like yeah. for a mushroom cloud is actually there. And like the, the things that he says are always surrounding Uh, something that's really happening in the world. And so we don't get information that it's true hallucination, but I'm curious, like what, in your opinion, like, what is it? And does it qualify?
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, When I was, I rewatched these scenes several times preparing for this podcast. Uh, And I think it would count uh, as a psychedelic, like cactus juice would. And I think it is actually a really accurate depiction of how psychedelics would be with hallucinations oh um yeah when when we think about psychedelic hallucinations uh we might think hallucination means seeing something that's not there right uh so like you just said the mushroom cloud is really there uh all uh, um, uh the cloud is really there the moon is really there and yet there are hallucinations, uh, though we do get one hallucination uh, where when they're fighting the the hornets or the bees where he's swatting at the air for one that's not there. Yeah. Uh, so we, we do get one example of that. But for the most part, it is um, changes in how we perceive things that are really there. Mm. And that's how psychedelics largely actually are. So you're not necessarily, you can be with drugs like dmt but the majority of psychedelics you're not launched into a completely different realm than this one or see things that aren't there instead the things you see just change yeah. so um my, one of my cats bridget a little bit more uh cat content for your uh, always, listeners always love that yeah <laughs> um but i saw her uh just absolutely covered in a rainbow just absolutely beautiful now my cat was really there uh but the colors the way I perceived the color spectrum had completely changed um and I I think that's actually a pretty accurate depiction of what goes on with Sokka where yeah. the world the world around had changed but it's still the world around him yeah. um I found especially when it comes to sort of the uh the lightheartedness or the silliness or just the fun that comes with his experience. I think that's also a pretty good uh, picture of psychedelics when taken well. They're fun. They have a lightheartedness to them. Uh, Even a mushroom cloud can become a a good friend, the friend mushroom that you can uh, enjoy looking at.
0: Yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that framework. I, I have not done psychedelics. So this is a coming from a complete noob. Um yeah. aside from um what you have given me in our previous conversations. Um so this is really interesting to kind of think about how again I am kind of betraying my previous misconceptions, right? By by asking some of these questions. And I think that's really helpful to mm-hmm. kind of learn the difference between like I think the fear mongering, yeah. I think, is a is a word that I might pick for around psychedelic use. Right, mm-hmm. it, the we're trying to create fear around the thing in order to scare people away from it. And I Absolutely. think the idea of I lose all control and I see things in front of me that aren't there is really terrifying. Yeah, reframe so it as something that no, you're just reacting differently to the things that are in front of you. It, it's still like a thing, but it's not nearly as terrifying as complete loss of sense, right?
1: Yeah. And I think uh, this doesn't just, this sort of misconception, I don't think just comes from people who are trying to scare you about psychedelics, uh, but can also come from the sort of person who is deep into psychedelic subculture and likes to brag about how many psychedelics they've taken or high, how high a dose. Where they'll go on about these, you know, it was scary. I took eighteen grams of mushrooms. I did all these different things, yeah. and it's depicted as scary, but something that they conquered because it's a way for them to, uh, ironically, instead of killing the ego, a way to build up their ego. Um, so I think a lot of the a lot of the stories that we have in subculture about how psychedelics work um, and how scary they can be. Not only come from people who are fearmongering, but from people who want to, uh, who really want to build up how awesome they are when telling retelling their stories of psychedelics.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that's that's a helpful framework for us. So, one of the things I remember about your uh, lecture is. Uh, if you happen to be thinking about doing this, it's important to be thinking about setting yourself up in a series of ways. You want to make sure that you have a, you're in a good place. You're in a good mental state. You're in a good, all of these things that you kind of previously listed. Can you kind of outline what some of those things are, uh, at the top of your list, if not the exhaustive list in terms of what you might do in order to, um, create a safe space and mindset to engage with this material
1: for sure um the two things to always remember with psychedelics is set and setting okay. set being your mindset like you just said your sort of how you're doing mentally um and then setting being exactly what you just said as well the space in which you take these substances um so it's okay, talking about set or mindset, it's okay to be nervous, even anxious about taking these substances, you should be, that's that's a healthy respect. Um, instead of focusing on the things you can't control with your mindset, it's great to focus on the things you can control. So meditation, setting an intention, uh, maybe get some good exercise, clear your head the day before. Um, these are things that you can do to help your mind prepare for ingesting these substances. A, it is a big deal. And so having the intention, having the preparation, doing all the things you know can calm you down and get you ready for for something Um for something this monumental uh, Will always make it a better experience Than it would have been
0: Yeah so the reason I asked That question is because Sokka is Not in a great mindset Nor a good Setting yeah <laughs> um, And so we're in the middle of the desert Yeah uh, <laughs> Hydrated we are <laughs> And we've just Lost APA. like Yeah we- we are already scared and worried for our lives and here Saka goes and ingests this thing and what we see is the the way that mindset and setting play a role in his, yeah. in his experience um and I, I'm curious if that kind of crossed your mind in terms of the way you thought about his trip so to speak
1: <laughs> yeah it did um the two things I thought about were definitely, it was a bad place to be having this. Uh, like you just said, it's hot. They don't have a lot of water. Psychedelics dehydrates you quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this if this is comparable to psychedelic cacti uh, like peyote or San Pedro, which can contain the compound mescaline, uh, this would have caused uh, some of the worst gastrointestinal symptoms you could imagine, uh, which isn't, so. <laughs> which you know, isn't isn't present in the show. Uh, but I, if this was a comparable thing, would have happened. Um, this this would be perhaps the worst set and setting that I could think of. Um, And it's also, it's also important when I'm talking about both psychedelics today and in the show, um, you need to know what you're taking Uh, a lot, (laughs) a lot of things can be white powders, you need to test the things that you might have, you need to ensure you know what you're ingesting, um, and you need to ensure that you know how much the difference between uh, you know, three grams of mushrooms and five grams of mushrooms is massive. Um, and we just saw Sokka cut the head off a couple of cacti like a coconut and yep. just go to town. He didn't even know he was taking something psychoactive and he didn't even know how much he was taking. And those are two also really important things.
0: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we also see is this trip only lasts like the course of uh, an afternoon, it feels like, um, or maybe a full day if it happened in the morning. Yeah. Uh, But I'm curious, like, uh, and every substance is different, I imagine. But what are the what is the, the length of a trip, so to speak? Does that make sense? Is that, is that that's a weird question? Yes.
1: Uh that's an acceptable question. Um Great. I it, love that. <laughs> it varies wildly. Um, okay. So there are some psychedelics like if you were to free base or smoke pure DMT, um, your trip could last as little as five minutes. Ooh, that's short. Yes, but it, it can feel like an eternity because it's changing the way you can you. Experience time, uh, yeah. um but it could be five minutes, or there are some substances. I these are mostly synthetic uh, psychedelics, but that could last twenty four straight hours. um Ooh. But again, comparing the the cactus juice in the show to mescaline containing cacti in our universe, I think mescaline a mescaline trip would last about twelve hours, um, and I think I think that could. F- fit if it's starting in the morning into the evening i think that would fit pretty all right with what we're seeing in the in the show yeah fascinating
0: cool i, I mean that was just a, a curious i'm like i have no idea um I've, i i think one of the examples you gave with the example of an overdose a severe overdose of mm-hmm. LSD, what lasted a week is that am i remembering
1: that correctly Yes, you are. Um, there was a um illicit LSD manufacturer who was making LSD for the Woodstock Festival, a famed hippie fest of New York. Um and he cut his hand on the on a broken vial of LSD, pure liquid LSD he had made. And accidentally poured enough lsd straight into his bloodstream to supply the entire 300 000 person woodstock festival
0: <laughs> just <Okay. laughs>
1: straight in there um and yeah he he tripped for a straight week on far more lsd than any human being should ever ingest yeah. um and he made it out the other side fine um ended up he's had a fascinating career in life. There's a BBC podcast about him now. Um, but yeah, we, we also have a different story about a woman who thought, and this was a little more, uh, we have better documentation of this because it was reported medically of a woman who thought she was smoking or that she was snorting cocaine and she snorted pure LSD, uh, 550 times the normal dose And again, you know, lasted a very long time, but she came out the other side fine. So again, a testament to how hard it would be to overdose on these substances. Yeah, that's terrifying.
0: Yeah. Uh, Like, and also very interesting to think about in terms of, uh, we have no idea how this substance works clearly, because it's not, Yeah, but for cactus juice in particular, like, would this trip have been shorter if he ingested less or would it have been would the intensity have changed like mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions around the amount of what is ingested in relationship to how it affects you and so it's just interesting to kind of wonder these things so i appreciate you kind of parsing that out yeah absolutely um so i i'm we we see soccer. and i think one of the things uh, that you, you gave us specifically was around mindset and setting setting here mm-hmm. is tragic. Like it's the literal, <laughs> yeah. one of the worst possible options. Um, but it seems as though Sokka doesn't really have a terrible trip. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak to, uh, what is it perhaps about his mindset that sure. might have counterbalanced that a little bit? I'm I'm curious as to your perspective on that
1: yeah um i think it's later on in the episode where they make it to the i can't remember if it's a a bee or a a hornet's nest yeah wasps yeah yeah. and he just licks something that he had found (laughs) on the cave wall and just says well i have a natural curiosity Mm. i i think that was his saving grace uh a natural personality of what's coming next, what's happening next and openness to the world around him and to new experiences. Mm -hmm. As we see throughout the series, um, some silliness, some, uh, an edge towards just having fun, um, a personality that uh, perhaps doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, These are things that I think gave him a, a natural personality that pushed him towards having a good trip, even when mindset, even when setting are the worst thing imaginable. But you, you do see elements where this could have turned into a bad trip very quickly, where uh, he accuses uh, Momo of telling where that he had stolen these scrolls. Well, yeah. So that, that is the sort of paranoia where a good trip can turn to a difficult trip. A difficult trip can turn to a good trip. and that's why set and setting is so important. I, I think I said when I took too much mushrooms my first time, I got lucky.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I I think the same can probably be said of Saka. Uh, had a had a pretty good experience with some signs of paranoia, but that's because of a a good personality and frankly, pure luck. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Wow. What a cool. I I appreciate you really highlighting the curiosity piece because I think for me, that is so helpful in all aspects of life, not just whether or not you're going to take a psychedelic, but just generally speaking, I think a natural curiosity can take us so far. And (laughs) right. It's such a, a beautiful thing that opens up the world to us. And in in when as you say it's like a cognitive shift. I think shifting from skepticism to curiosity is a cognitive shift that mm-hmm. if we can make that with or with help the without the help of psychedelics mm-hmm. is massive for the way we approach the world. And I like I think that I'm just really grateful right now thinking about having that as a learning opportunity from from this conversation.
1: Absolutely. I mean, again, the that that's one of the big things that psychedelics taught me uh, was, you know, I, I ended up having a pretty severe back injury in 2021. Um, and I, I was overwhelmed with, I can't believe this has happened. I'm going to have chronic pain, perhaps for the rest of my life. This is terrible. Yeah. But a lot of what the psychedelics taught me in this was curiosity. How does my body work? How does my mind work? How do these things connect together? And what should have been a terrible experience and was a terrible experience, adding curiosity to it created a good thing, a change in my personality, um, building resilience, interest in psychology that, that wouldn't have been there without that element of curiosity. Yeah. Wow. That's so
0: helpful. I really appreciate that. So that, I think that leads me to a question then, naturally, because we've been talking about and focusing on Sokka. But mm-hmm. I, I would love to play like a little game here. And t- sure. I, I ask you how different characters in your theory theoretical mind might, uh, how would they have reacted un- under uh, in this setting and sure. their mindset? Um, and so Aang is an angry boy right now. Yeah. <laughs> And he has airbending still at his beck and call. Mm-hmm. So he also has uh, quite a bit of power and privilege um, in this situation, even as he is angry, pissed off and in the desert. But so I'm curious, how do you think Aang would have fared had he ingested the same amount of cactus juice?
1: Oh, out of all the characters in this situation, the worst. Um I agree. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh I, I I forget which uh researcher said this, but that psychedelics are a non-specific uh magnifier of human emotion and experience. Oh no. <laughs> so, right. So you got a natural curiosity. Oh boy, this is gonna be a good time. You are, I mean, no offense to, to no offense to the avatar, but he is he's the worst consistently throughout the series which is great for character development yeah, uh, yeah. especially
0: but, in this this little arc
1: oh yeah especially in this little arc um he he has an him, he has a immaturity and anger and and pushing other people away consistently throughout this episode where what you need during a difficult psychedelic situation is trusted people who can step in and tell you it's going to be okay. And he would not have been able to accept that help like he did before just demolishing the sandbenders. Uh, He finally accepts help, finally has the catharsis, Um, but I'm not sure that would have happened even on some cactus juice.
0: Yeah, especially oh, man, just the just the phrase it magnifies your <laughs> your emotions is like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine a more magnified like despair that Aang is going through mm-hmm. in the moment. Oh my gosh. That would have been the worst. That would not yeah. have been a good episode to watch. Oh man. Okay. So we've got Aang. Uh, how do you feel about how would like Katara is very uh especially in this one, like by the book, very mm. rules oriented, very, come on, everybody, we're going to hold ourselves together. Um, how do you think Katara would have reacted?
1: Well, a, a good psychedelic experience requires letting go of some control. And that is, <laughs> yeah, that is consistently a problem uh, for Katara. Um <laughs> <laughs> hmm so i the i suspect that she would have been one of these sorts of people where you can muscle your way through a lot of psychedelic experiences you can take your your consciousness your point of view your ego whatever language you want to use for it and push through the hallucinations push through the changes that are happening and just keep a grasp on what on consensus reality on everyday life and just hope this goes away. Eventually people can't, people do that. It sucks. It's painful. And you miss a lot of the beauty. And I, I wonder if that is what would have happened here. But of course, since this is a terrible set and setting, she still had to hold everybody together. I mean, this, this wouldn't have been something that was her fault. Uh, This would have been something she had to do to get them out of there.
0: Yeah. Yikes. Okay. So we've got a bad trip. We've got a bad trip. Uh, <laughs> tell me about Toph. Um, Toph has, you know, we're, we're experiencing like this mixed sense of like, I did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And now everyone's mad at me, especially Ang. And yeah. feeling like this sense of guilt. I imagine she's feeling but also she's tough and kind of irascible and, you know, did what she thought was best and is probably going to stand by that. So I'm curious. What what do, what do you think about Toph?
1: I'm not, I think this could go either way. Um, I think her personality, she has a lot. She obviously has a lot of resilience mm-hmm. um, and a very good sense of self um, that I think would angle her towards a better experience. Um, but I know, I don't know. I think, it. I think it would, I think it could go either way here. Um, I also, it, it's, it's interesting noting as well, uh, that because of her blindness, we have a number of studies, uh, that show that people who have been blind from birth experience psychedelics in vastly different ways.
0: Ooh, same
1: um, way. In, in very very interesting ways. Um, one, you know, during this during this episode, she can't feel anything beneath the ground because it's all sand. Mm. Uh, the, the sound waves just aren't traveling. the the motion just isn't traveling. Um, one of the things psychedelics causes is synesthesia, with the mixing of senses together. Um, oh. hmm?
0: I said, oh dear.
1: <laughs> yes. so but this can be a good thing um it could it could be possible that if she she is trying to figure out how to feel through the earth that she might be able to pick up on that as something that she can do even if she's never felt that before i i thought that might be a possibility when i was watching this uh, in the previous episode we yeah we we have stories from people who have been in war situations who said that they could suddenly smell gunpowder coming from a specific direction and know not to go over there. And that's how they escaped a city that was under under siege. Wow. So, yeah, I, I wonder if she had an open mind and, and ended up having a good experience. I wonder if, as frequently happens in some Avatar episodes, or as she discovers with metal bending, right, that there are more powers that she has that she hasn't even begun to scratch the surface of.
0: Ooh, I love that as a possibility. That sounds like thinking about how cactus juice in this world could be potentially leveraged as a way to unlock um, bending styles that we weren't, you know, bending capacities that we didn't even know we had the capacity for. Mm -hmm. That's a really neat uh, framework. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Um, I I would, I think for fun, it'd be worth talking about Iroh too. Um, Just because I imagine that if he had access, he would probably be like, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Um, I don't know what setting we want to imagine him in uh, for for this, but um, what are just generally speaking, I guess, how do you think Iroh would fare on cactus juice?
1: Uh, I think he might be, um one of the best characters as a candidate for psychedelic use and cactus juice
0: um yeah
1: <laughs> yeah great great resilience um lived experience that you know teenagers and adolescents just can't begin to to come to the edges of um I've, i i'm sure he would have a wonderful time uh and i also I'm sure he'd have a wonderful time, but this reminds me of a story of a a psychedelic researcher who had taught at Harvard, who went on to become the guru known as Ram Dass. Uh And when Ram Dass gave a lot of LSD to uh, a guru that he met when he was visiting Southeast Asia, this guru sat down sat and sat and sat and experienced this massive psychedelic trip, got to the end and said, well, that was interesting, but that is not enlightenment. And I feel a, I feel a certain, uh, I feel a certain parallel to perhaps how uh, Ira would react, which is, yeah, this was cool, this was interesting, this was neat. But it wasn't it wasn't the wisdom that I've amassed over my lifetime about how life works and about the beauty of the world around us. I, I have a feeling that would be his response.
0: I just got chills for some reason in response to hearing that because I could totally imagine that being a response. Like, yeah. you know, I one of the things that you mentioned very early on in our conversation today was just the, the idea that this shift in cognition that happens is not something that is like otherworldly or impossible to achieve outside Mm -hmm. of psychedelics. Rather, psychedelics is something that can be a tool to help you see that. And it's like what you're pointing to here is the The way that Iroh presents himself throughout the series suggests that he has been in a mindset that is open to the world, that is Mm -hmm. curious, that is seeking the beauty of things, that is really relishing in what it means to live an extraordinary life. And it seems as though we've kind of come full circle there around this idea of you can achieve that outside of of, of psychedelics, right? You can achieve that. By training yourself with experience and through pain and hardship, <laughs> frankly, mm-hmm. uh, to see the world and all of its beauty, um, yeah, that gave me chills. That's beautiful. Uh, well, <laughs> what a great conversation this has been! I'm, ah, I'm so glad I asked you to join me. <laughs> this has been amazing.
1: Definitely, of all of all the podcasts I've been on or lectures I've given, this this has been the most fun. I've really enjoyed this.
0: Sweet, I love when people say that, even if it's for my ego. Uh, <laughs> but, but what have we missed? Have we missed anything? Is there something that we should have covered that we did not in relationship to Avatar and psychedelics or psychedelics generally
1: speaking? Well, the the one thing that I thought was interesting uh, that was not present in uh, the cactus juice uh, uh, scenes was. <sighs> There was no metaphysical or sort of spiritual element attached to cactus juice. Uh, and for psychedelics, they have a reputation for inducing spiritual or religious experiences. Um, now, it, it's worth saying that not everyone's psychedelic experience resembles anything spiritual. Um, in fact, two thirds of all people who have taken LSD in trials. Uh, in the 70s said it wasn't a spiritual experience Um, but I I just would have expected in a show that really uh, is just full of magic that there would have been something there but this might get right back around to what we were just saying that the real magic is what's around us in the world all the time and not what we're doing when we're high yeah
0: yeah no I, I mean like I think that's really beautiful. And if it's interesting one that this is in a kid's show at all.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And excuse me. I, I think that thinking about that is really fascinating and thinking about what, frankly, what, like, what are they allowed to put in versus what should they put in? Like mm. I wonder if there was any consideration for this around um what do we want people to take away about cactus juice, right? Sure. Versus a this let's just put this in for comedic relief. Right. Um and frankly the way that we treat this doesn't care about what the writer's intention. Right. right? But more about what we can infer. And I like your inference around maybe it's just uh alluding to the idea of the magic being how we experience the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting to think about like, what was the intention behind putting it in? Yeah. Also, I think just to frame the conversation, but I think you're right. It's a, it's interesting to think about when, especially as we talked about in other media, there was all like very much a religious, spiritual mm-hmm. connotation to the experience for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredible. I want to shift to our final segment, which is uh, one of the favorite things that I do on the podcast, uh, which is having gratitude. I always want to end our our podcast with gratitude and being grateful for someone in relation to uh, the show and Mm -hmm. our conversation. And so I'm going to I'm going to pass it to you first. Um, who is a character from our conversation that you are thankful for, and why?
1: I think that would definitely be Katara, who uh, carried the team all the way through this episode in yeah. every single way, while simultaneously somehow being the best trip sitter, caring for someone under the influence <laughs> of psychedelics that she could have been. Um, yeah, her, her resolve in this episode to survive and to get everyone out of this but also her tenderness uh, throughout the episode is i mean that's that is a real side of wisdom and maturity to be able to hand to be able to handle resilience and strength in one hand and gentleness and compassion in the other that is that is amazing
0: yeah she's an all-star like <laughs> it's just the, oh my gosh what a what a winner oh man no, I really appreciate that. I, I, I'm i torn because I really appreciated uh, your highlighting of Sokka's curiosity. Mm. And that being the thing that kind of counteracted the setting, so to speak. Right. Um, but I'm also like this, this thing we ended on with Iroh being someone who can like has the magic of seeing the world all of its beauty is something that like I don't I don't think I can pass that up. So I think I'm gonna choose (laughs) Iroh. Good. God, what a beautiful, beautiful way to live, right? To I am like I'm like I'm getting teary-eyed thinking about that, of thinking about how that's all we're, we're aiming for is learning Mm. how to exist in a beautiful world. Right. And seeing the beauty that is surrounding us and the miracles that are around us all day. And absolutely. Ah, I just, I want to be more like (laughs) Iroh. So I'm thankful for his tutelage, um, in this show. Amazing. Well, Caleb, you have a lot of things going on. Is there anything that you want to promote anything you want to share? What are the, the how can people find you if they want to continue the conversation? If you want to be found, how would you like to be found?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I definitely want to be found. Uh, you can find uh, my website is psychedelic theology, all one word.com. Uh, uh, and you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok under the handle psychedelic theology. Um, and finally, I, I'm doing a series on uh death and dying with psychedelics this summer, uh, through uh my psychedelic theology podcast. And that can be found on Spotify, Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts, and I believe Google Podcasts has now approved me
0: amazing. I am in a class on death and dying this summer. And I didn't even know you were doing that. I knew you were putting out a new thing, but I didn't know that that was the framework for it. So that's very exciting. Um, Well, I will certainly be participating in that. And I hope that all of our listeners will will check all of those things out. We'll definitely share out when the episode airs. Um, so reminder for everybody you can also find us at BNB underscore pod uh, on all the things and we hope to see you and I hope you'll interact with us and I hope you'll check Caleb's work out because as you've heard he's clearly got a good handle on all of this and uh, really incredible to, to be friends with so check him out and thank you again for being a part of this I am grateful for you absolutely i'm grateful for you too this was wonderful all right and that means we are done with another episode of bending not breaking until next time be well and do good